Hello, and welcome to Dare to Know, interviews with quality and reliability thought leaders. I'm Tim Rogers, and today I'm pleased to be joined by Cliff Williams. Cliff is the author of People, a Reliability Success Story. He's been a contributing editor to MRO Magazine for 11 years, and he's a lecturer and frequent presenter at reliability conferences worldwide. Cliff, welcome, and thanks for joining us. Thank you, Tim. It's a great pleasure to be here with you. Cliff, your book emphasizes the need to develop soft people skills in the world of reliability and testing. What kind of skills fall into this category? Well, I think, Tim, the, the easiest way to explain it is to, to say initially that they're not the ones that are usually taught in universities or colleges or during technical training. Um, they are, in fact, the ones that, that allow managers to, to grow into leaders. Um, and amongst them, obviously, critically important is the skill of, of communicating. And many people feel that, that uh, communicating is, is just simply talking, or, or sometimes it's posting memos and things like that. Um, but, but in reality, it, it is much more than that. Uh, it's much more than talking. It's much more than talking and listening even. Uh, and I wonder how many times uh, do we take the time and take the step back to make sure that the message that we're, we're trying to communicate, you know, it's been received and it's been understood. Um, you know, do the people actually understand what it is that we're trying to do, and why we're trying to do it, and have we communicated that well enough? Um, and then, of course, that there's obviously those things that are known as people skills uh, in a a, a generic term and and that's where you know we understand that really you know what are the motivations for people and what are the motivations for the people that we are working with uh, and realizing that for all of the people the, the motivations may be very very different uh, it, it could be different motivations for generational reasons for cultural reasons you know for societal reasons but the motivational uh, skills that we require needs to understand that they are different and needs to ad ad adopt to the differences. Uh, it really needs to have that. Um, we need to understand sort of what level of engagement our people have. And more than understanding the level of the engagement, but we need to understand how to move them on, how to grow that engagement. Uh, how do we get them to take on more, more tasks, take on more responsibilities. And, and we do that through, through greater involvement, the skill of involving people, empowering people, educating people, and getting the people involved so that you're working with your partners, you're working with people that are aiming at the same goals that you're aiming at. And, and getting those skills and, and having those skills is really, really important for a leader. And the the difference from the leader between a manager and a leader really is that the managers can manage processes and things like that. Leaders will lead the group. Leaders will lead and develop the culture. So those are the types of skills that, that the book talks about. And those are the types of skills that, that we believe are, are important in today's marketplace. 
Cliff, I think you're right. I think there's been so much emphasis on technical expertise uh, and very little emphasis on the soft skills that you described. How does the lack of these skills prevent a testing or reliability organization from performing at an optimum level? If 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 we if we don't get this to be a priority with organizations, then there's going to be a, a tendency for for people within the organizations maybe to take off in different directions. Uh, they really don't know what direction they should be headed in, where they are going, where, where the goals are. They're not too sure if they're progressing, if they're if they're really doing what's re required of them, understanding their roles. Uh, so that becomes a challenge, and obviously that's not going to help any organization. And and the reality is that if we can't get our people to function to their full potential, then there's very little chance that the organization is going to reach its full potential. Because it really doesn't matter if we have, have the most precise procedures or, or really detailed instructions. Uh, if, if we don't have motivated people to carry them out, then no organization will achieve the, the results that they are capable of achieving. Uh, there have been many surveys carried out regarding the, the challenges that organizations face, and, and they usually boil down to leadership issues. And sometimes when, when the subject is brought up about the challenges, it, it, it comes up as being culture. Uh, we often hear that, yeah, our biggest challenge is culture, changing culture. Um, and when you think that culture really is is nothing really more than a, a group of behaviors, it, it's, it's the culmination of a group of behaviors, and that behaviors in themselves are typically driven by, by measures and, and metrics that, that demand a result and drive a behavior. And then if we think that metrics and measures are typically typically set by, by leaders, then ergo the leadership is, is the problem. It comes back to leadership. And, and when you think about it, that leadership is, is really all about people. And so uh, I guess the goal really is to, to have people uh, function at their full potential. Or simply put is, how do we get the best of our, out of our people? Because if we don't get the best out of our people, we're not getting the best out of our organizations. Um, it's a well-worn cliche that people are our greatest asset. Um, and, and, and even though it's used very often, uh, it's quite often no more than lip service to it. And, and when we look, um, peel back the layers of the onion, we find that yes, they may be the greatest asset, but they're also the most ignored or the most, uh, trivialized and, and really not involved. And, and those are the companies that then come back and tell us that they have cultural problems uh, and, and it's fairly simple why. Interesting. Cliff, why do you think these skills have been neglected or overlooked in hiring and personal development? Uh, well, it goes back to, to the very beginning, I guess, is that um, when we when we look at leaders and we've decided that if we if we make the assumption that leaders really do need to have these people skills and have these soft skills, uh, it goes back to how do we get leaders? Um, 
And many times in, in the reliability world or the maintenance world, we see that we'll, we'll take a trades guy and this is a, a really skillful trades guy who really likes to troubleshoot, loves nothing more than to, to get his hands dirty, get in there, get out and solve problems and really work on the technical stuff. Or maybe we'll take an engineer or we'll take a chemist or someone like that and move them into leadership roles. Well, do they have the skill sets to move into what is leadership? You know, a, a tradesperson that likes to troubleshoot, that likes to get his hands dirty, is he going to be happy sitting behind a desk or working with people when they have their different needs, their different motivational issues? Is he going to be able to do that? Or is he going to want to really focus on these technical issues. An engineer is an engineer. Um, they're called the laws of physics. Uh, when they do something once, it happens again. And if they repeat doing the same thing, they get the same results. That never happens with humans. Uh, what you do today with one person, if you did it again tomorrow, may have a completely different result because of their personal issues. They may have had issues at home. They may, may have had issues in work, but there's no guarantee they're going to behave exactly the same way. You take a chemist, you know, he puts two molecules together, he gets the same thing. He's used to that. Uh, he's not used to people with their differences. And that really ha has been the issue, is that um, we're, we're not really looking for the right skill sets. We, we never see a, a, an advert for a, a, reliability lead, a reliability leader that asks for um, psychology or communication skills or prioritization skills or, or any of these philosophy skills. But you really need them when you're dealing with people. And, and that's the challenge, because if you have enough skills in the organization, then the leaders don't have to have those absolute skills, but they have to have the ability to enable those skills. So really, the problem has been we've not looked for the right people. We've not looked for the right skill sets. And so we've ended up with people who are, you know, a square peg in a round hole for for a little bit and and. Wonder why they don't succeed. Uh, it, it's it's really not that difficult to understand when we look at it. You know, Cliff, I think you make a very good point. Not everyone is cut out for management or for leadership, for that matter, and that's not a uh, uh, a uh, criticism of their skills. It's just a observation that some skills are better suited for some jobs than others. I, I agree with you, Tim. You know, it's uh, I, over the years I, I've met people who were more than happy to stay and work as engineers, as chemists, as as tradespeople, and really have no interest. And even though they've been asked and 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 pushed to move into a leadership role, luckily they've recognised themselves that it's not what's suited for them. Hmm. So, Cliff. Improving the situation is going to require a lot of collaboration. What, what do you see as the role of HR departments and managers and, and the individuals themselves in developing people's skills? Yeah, that's that becomes the challenge, and, and you you've hit the the nail on the head when you you bring in the HR department um, because really they're the people that are out there doing the hiring, and they're the people that have the ability were they to set up the organization for success to, to, to 
really influence the success. Um, many organizations that, that I, I talk to ha don't have the simple things such as a skills matrix. Uh, they don't understand what skills are required in each job. And if they don't even have a skills matrix, they are certain to miss out on the soft side of things. Uh, because even a good skills matrix has a tendency to focus on the technical. So you need a skills matrix that looks at exactly what is required of the job. And when you go out to hire people, you look for those, those uh, competencies. Um, and then the managers and the individuals within the organization, they have to be analyzed to find out what competency levels do they have. Uh, and, and you find that there are certain leadership competencies throughout the organization and really don't, uh, don't always you know, tie in with the position in the organization that you have leaders uh, in a shop floor position who are no question about it, you know, born leaders, if you want to use that term. Uh, when we think of what people do outside of the work environment, they, they take on huge responsibilities for uh, you know, minor league baseball, all of these things, they organize everything. Yet when they come to work, they, they don't do anything like that because they're not in a position to do it or nobody's recognized that they have those competencies and skills. So we have to analyze you know, what, what skills and competencies exist within the organization and match them up with the skills matrix. And going back to hiring, another thing that most organizations don't do well or hiring departments don't do well is when we're hiring and we have potential candidates, we don't always look at what sort of environment have they been successful in? Uh, it, it's that there may be a reliability manager who's been extremely successful in a command and control environment, and we're looking to bring them into an empowered, engaged environment. Uh, it's not going to work. He may have been successful as a reliability manager, but he's not going to be reli uh, successful in that role in a different organization. So HR needs to take uh, that little further step and get an understanding of what is it and what the culture is that the person was successful in. It, it, it'll give them a guide as to what his type of uh, person he is and what his skill sets are. That's a very good point, Cliff. You know, a lot of businesses are dealing with the imminent retirement of employees of the baby boomer generation. How does this demographic trend affect the need for soft skills? Well, um, I, I think one of the the biggest mistakes that that, that we can make uh, as we look at this challenge is to is to think that uh, we can box people into a category. You know that all boomers are the same, that all Gen Y are the same, that all Gen X is the same, that they're going to behave the same, that they're going to be all very. You know, similar as long as they're Gen X or Gen Y and that the boomers are leaving. Um, and realistically, even though there may be some fundamental generational differences, and there's no question about that in that uh, as a generation, uh, Gen X will have slightly different expectations than the boomers, different expectations of Gen Y. And so, but to assume that all Gen X are the same is the biggest disservice we're ever going to do to a generation. We need to recognize that there are perhaps bigger differences within the generation itself than there are between the, you know, the, the, the 
the generational difference between Gen X and Boomers within the Gen X, there are, there are so many, so many differences uh, that's going on. But of course, it's tough in, in the marketplace today where you, you may have uh, a Boomer who's managing Gen Y and Gen X. Uh, does he understand what drives Gen X? Does he understand what drives Gen Y in, in general? And then able to go down and, and find out the individuals in that. We have some Gen Ys who, who are kind of managing both ways at the same time. You know, the, uh, they're, they're trying to manage boomers who really react in one way and Gen X who react in a completely different way. And they, they've they have to have the understanding of the fundamental differences, but really, really most importantly is the idea that they understand that there are still individuals. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of safe to assume that Gen X don't want a job for life the way that the boomers did, you know, it was a job for life, but it really would be a disservice to the generation if we were to say that all of Gen X are going to behave the same way. They have their differences. So I, even though there are challenges with, with uh, technology and how technology is going to retain knowledge and that the boomers are going to take the knowledge with them, on the soft skill side, the challenges are really pretty much the same. And that's realizing the differences in people and working with them on those differences and empowering and engaging and enabling them based on those differences. So uh, yes, it's a challenge, uh, but from the soft skill side, very little's changed in that challenge. Hmm. You know, Cliff, somebody told me a long time ago that being fair does not mean treating everyone the same. Being fair means treating everyone differently and respecting individual differences. Yeah, one of my favorite uh, sayings that somebody taught me early on was that equal is not equitable. And if you treat people equitably, much better than treating them equally. Yeah, stuck with me all, all through my career. Good one. Cliff, you've done a great job describing the challenge. Uh, are there organizations out there that do a better job than others in developing people skills in their team? What, what can we learn from those organizations? Yep, there, there are organizations out there that have started to take uh, notice of what's gone on and, and have started to work with these skills metrics and things like that so that they, they have, are looking and taking into consideration the soft skills when they're looking to hire people. Um, it, it's been, it's been a, a very good exercise. Uh, and we've seen in Canada... Um, I have two daughters that are of university age, and it's been very interesting that in the engineering programs at the university, they've recognized the need for these things and are working with industry in Canada to develop courses for engineers that talk about leadership, talk about soft skills, talk about communicating, talk about all of these things that the engineers are going to need because some or other the universities have realized that they weren't preparing the, the students for the real world, that they were sending them out as, with a great deal of theoretical knowledge and, and very little in the, in the soft skills. So the there are companies working with the universities in, in, in 
Canada and developing these these skill sets and developing courses that are going to match these skill sets and having input into what the Gen Xs are going to be bringing out into the workplace. So yes, there are companies doing that. Typically, they've got a good handle of what their needs are. They understand their culture, which is and reasons for their culture and what drive their culture. And, and with that understanding, they're able to go out and search for people that are going to match that culture. And, and it's a kind of uh, introspective navel gazing, if you want. But um, they need to take that first. And there are companies that have realized that, uh, especially given that uh, the Gen X it w- will tend to be a transient generation as job-wise. Um, you need to engage and involve and interest uh, Gen X so that they stay. And, and so you want to bring them in with as much of a sim- similar culture, similar interests, similar uh, skills that you require. Um, so there are companies out there doing that, but uh, it, it's not widespread. Um, we're, still, we're still struggling to a certain degree. Look, can you tell that the companies that are more advanced in this area are benefiting as a result? Where they're benefiting is, without a question, is retention. Uh, they are definitely retaining um, the the Gen X is a lot more than uh, those companies that haven't gone in there. Uh, we see that when we look around and we see that people are changing within organizations after two years. Um, that seems to be the, the, the level that if you're not engaging and having the the, the matching of the skill sets, uh, two years seems to be the optimum time and then people are looking to move and, and seek another cause. And that's one of the things that they've been described as Gen X is that they're looking for a cause. So if you're able to give them the cause that is your organization, they'll stay longer, they'll get involved and they will take on a lot of responsibility. So yeah, we, we see that in retention in particular. Uh, and, and that's a challenge is that... Uh, uh, you know, the the upfront uh, cost of getting people up to speed and then when they're up to speed, they're walking out the door because they they don't feel comfortable. Um, so, the, yeah, we see that for, for sure. That That's a definite indicator of those companies that have got it right. Cliff, thanks so much for your insights today. Well, thanks, Tim. It was great talking with you. That was Cliff Williams, author of People, A Reliability Success Story. This is Tim Rogers. Thanks very much for joining us.